Hey everyone, welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show. I am Trevor Turnbull, and I am doing a follow-up podcast episode here to the one that I published recently. I'm not sure exactly when I'll publish this one, uh, but likely it will be the next one after the last one that I just did, which was titled, I've Been Lying, Here's the Truth. And if you haven't listened to that one, uh, I encourage you to go and check it out uh, to give you a little bit of context. Essentially, what I spoke about on that podcast was a couple of things. One was just this spiritual awakening that I feel like I'm having and a lot of people are having. It's not just me. And ultimately, how it's dictating um, how I choose to show up in this world and the topics that mean something to me that I want to bring to light, that I want to create awareness around, that I want to start the conversation on and be a conduit to. And yes, there was elements of that that may have been, for lack of a better term, controversial. It may have triggered some people. It may have caused people to disagree with me and not like my position, but quite frankly, I'm okay with that. Uh, And that's something that I honestly had to work through. And, you know, since I actually recorded that episode, I've experienced um, a handful of things. One is I've spent a lot of time speaking with Danielle Grant, who I've, if if you're not familiar with her, I've done a couple interviews with her on the podcast. I'm going to be doing some more with her, her here coming soon. And she's been a, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, a guide, a teacher, a coach, a mentor, uh, a friend, all of the above to me as I'm going through my own spiritual awakening, as I'm uh, choosing to embrace the struggle, as I'm choosing to constantly elevate to be the highest version of myself. And she's just helping me work through what that looks like, like intellectually, how to break it down, um, not intellectually, like just more in the being sense. And uh, so that's been a huge impact on me recently and is impacting part of my reason for even flipping the switch and recording this episode right now, too. And then the other piece was I joined a challenge last week, which, you know, it was a five day challenge and it was about changing the story, which ultimately means something different for everybody. But the context of it was, hey, come into this challenge. Bring something with you that you want to change the story on personally, and then let's do the work, you know, let's lean in. And I won't even disclose all of the things that we did as a part of this challenge, because anybody that's that's interested in it, just reach out to me uh, and I'll let you know about it and you will get to experience it yourself. I'm not going to ruin that experience for you because it was very powerful. But the thing that I declared as what I wanted to change the story on was that when I speak my truth, I get passionate and therefore I can come across as being angry about it or expressive in my face and my hand gestures and whatever else. And that my message doesn't land and that people think that I'm just this angry 14 year old kid that has childhood trauma issues that he's yet to work through, which I have done a lot of work on (laughs) because I was a kid that was quite angry and not angry though, too. Like I actually used to fight a lot in hockey when I was a younger kid and I felt like I was forced to do it 
in a lot of ways, but I also felt like I um, had to do it because it was going to help me get to my desired goal, which, you know, was many things at that time. It was at a granular level to play more, to help the team win, to get a scholarship, to get drafted, to go to the NHL, play pro hockey, whatever it was. There was a million different reasons, but, you know, it served me at that time. And I had to reflect on that. Like, why do I believe to be true that I can't say my truth out loud for the fear that people will disagree with me, that they won't like my opinion, that I may lose friendships over it, that I may get negative feedback because of it. I may have family or friends that just want to toe a hard line to say, you're wrong, I'm right, and therefore I don't want you in my life. And there was this sense of loss that I was creating before it even was a reality. So I, I had to work through that and then ultimately ground myself in my my why, my intention. And my intention on the last podcast was to just express through a story, a personal story, what this whole pandemic is doing um, to me from a frustration perspective, uh, what it's doing to my relationship, what it's doing to my kids and the divisiveness, divisiveness, the separation, the just all of the stress that I think everybody's feeling and all of the... Um, polarization and just resistance that we're feeling all around where everything seems to be dictated on fear, right? All we hear in the media is all the negativity and the death and the pain that all of this is causing. And we don't hear the other side of the story and we don't put it into context with regards to whatever else, you know, like just use any example, you know, like what is the death rate uh, overall in the world uh, from COVID? And the answer is, well, it's complicated, right? Like not every death gets reported properly. Not every death gets reported at all to these bodies that collect this information. Not all the data that's collected on vaccines and side effects is fully collected or quite frankly, shared even uh, transparently. And again, though, it's because it's complicated, right? It's, there's no black and white here. There's no perfect answer. But what I've been just really called to speak about is the what I believe is ultimately the the tragic pandemic that is the result of the pandemic, the COVID pandemic, the medical side of things, and that is mental health. And that's the focus of this episode. And specifically, I want to talk about suicide because this is a personal thing for me. Um, as I'm sure it is for many other people too, sadly, but you know, there's a couple of things I want to reference. Uh, one of them is I had a cousin who committed suicide and it, it was about 25 years ago. I want to say now, because my cousin had a son and I won't say any names out loud just for privacy, you know, aspects, but my cousin had a son who was very young at the time when he ultimately committed suicide. I think he was like maybe one or two years old. He was very, very young. And, you know, we, it was devastating when we found out this news. I remember I was like 18 or 19 years old. So I was like right in the middle of that hockey career I was talking about. And it was devastating to hear that news because I grew up with this cousin. I, you know, he was the closest cousin to me in age. And we spent a lot of time together. He lived with our family for a little bit. He came up. Um, he had some troubles when he was growing up. 
got into some trouble, had some real struggles with relationships, um, obviously felt a lot of stress around having a kid at such a young age because I think he was probably, oh, geez, I don't even know. Like, I, I want to say like 16 or 17 years old or something like that. It's, man, it's been so long ago. I, I forget the specifics of it, but I just saw what it did to my family. And and I want to actually ground a, ground the conversation in that too, that it was a tragedy. It was painful. It was horrible. It was n- something, it's, it's a call you never, ever want to receive. And then when I look at it from a duality perspective as well, which I choose to do, it also brought our family together in a way like I've, like we had never, ever experienced before. It brought everybody closer together. The, you know, the hugs that we had were tighter. The amounts of times that we chose to say, I love you out loud got greater. Um, So there was a lot of really amazing things that happened as a result of that tragedy. And I think that there's an analogy in there for all things in life of, from a suffering and a pain perspective, that if you look at it close enough and you allow yourself to see it, there's actually a lot of healing that can come from pain and from struggle and from death, even, you know, death of identity, death of the human body, everything in between. And on that note too, I know that we don't ultimately, or, you know, I choose to believe that we don't, we don't disappear from this existence. You know, our soul and our spirits live on, we get, we come back in whatever shape and form it ends up being. And, um, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Aubrey Marcus and I can't remember the name of the doctor, but I'll link it up in the show notes. But he, Aubrey Marcus brought up the point of, you know, let's talk about this virus. Let's talk about the fact that it's an upgrade to the system that viruses don't ultimately want to kill the human body. They're there to constantly evolve and allow for that evolution, but it does kill people. And for whatever reason, due to age, due to uh, pre-existing conditions, comorbidities, whatever it might be. And that he asked this doctor, like, what do you say to those people that when you say that, you know, this virus is actually here to help us grow and they've lost people, what do you say to them? And he said, um, death is the ultimate upgrade. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah, it is the ultimate upgrade. Yes, of course, you leave your human body and your 3D self, but you actually get to go into a whole different dimension of being. And then whatever happens from there, I don't know. I haven't experienced it yet and I can't put it into words, but I know that I've been down this journey to explore that and figure out how to um, get into those states of higher dimension and to ultimately understand it better. And that's an obsession of mine. I'm constantly curious, as you can see here, be curious, you know, and be brave. Talking about death is not something that uh, gives me comfort. It's um, It requires some bravery to actually speak it out loud. But so anyways, there's that. And then the other thing too is, um, so that son of my cousins, he grew up in our family, you know, like he, 
he had his mom, of course, and he had uh, my aunt who, you know, as a part of this, if, if uh, auntie is watching this right now, I know that uh, it's been so painful for you and that's more than anybody. I think I I've seen it. I have felt it from you and, but I've also seen the courage that you've had throughout all of it too. And the work that you've done to actually see the, um, like, I just think of, um, that aunt's, that aunt, other son and how close she is to him. And ultimately how he became like a brother to me. I didn't have a brother growing up and he, became my brother and he was quite a bit younger than me. But again, that uh, unfortunate situation actually had a hand in creating that connection though, too, which is really quite beautiful actually. And, but back to what I was saying is that, you know, that ad, I've seen the suffering, I've seen the pain, I've seen the the self-induced anguish and um, just guilt that, she's held on to for years and years and years. But then I also have seen her rise to be, to continue to be this amazing uh, source of um, power and just light and love in our family though, too. And my cousin's son reached out to me like two weeks ago. I got a message from him at like midnight which was very unusual actually, because we haven't kept in touch a whole bunch. Like at the last time I've seen him because of all of these mandates and everything, I haven't gone back home to my home province to see my family. Normally we would have gone once a month or sorry, once a year type thing, at least out to the lake with the entire family. And I would always see this, um, my cousin's son at the lake. And you know, we, he was just such a great kid and, and I saw him, you know, growing up and going through his own struggles and stuff. And I just always wanted to make sure that he knew that he was loved, you know, like what were the things thinking back that I wish I would have said more to my cousin or been more or shown up more or just been present for more or whatever, just reached out that might've changed the trajectory of that ultimate suicide. And ultimately I've had to let that go and and just realize that like everything happens for us, not to us. And that that was as much as it sucks to say, like it was supposed to happen, you know, it was supposed to happen to create all these other amazing things back to my uh, cousin's son. So he reached out to me and I instantly thought, Oh shit, what's wrong. What's going on here. Something must be wrong. Like he doesn't reach out to me. So I immediately opened it up. I was just about to go to sleep and I opened up the message and and I read it. And in fact, I'm going to pull it up here and just read it out loud because it's, it really touched my heart. And it it was just such a reminder for me to, to, um, to do this, to do this kind of stuff, to talk about this, to say this stuff out loud, to know that, You know, when you look at this from the granular level of like the COVID conversation, yes, it's going to cause emotion and triggers in people, but this is the grounding piece for all of this. So he said, I know it's a little bit late right now. I cannot sleep and seeing that you were online, I figured I'd shoot you a message just letting you know that even though I didn't get to spend a time with you when I was growing up, I still look up to you a lot. Um, And the advice you gave me 
when I got the chance. I truly appreciate it. Man, it still makes me emotional just thinking about that moments, like lying in bed and getting that message and having that fear hit me of like, what happened? And then hearing that and just realizing the impact that I had on him and didn't even realize it. And then knowing that this, this gift that I ultimately have of, you know, I wouldn't say it's a God given born gift. It's been a learned skill of just being able to be a source for people family in this case i know the people that i've worked with before too like my my work has evolved from tactical digital marketing strategies and skills to the inner work that ultimately is the driver or the reason for failure in a lot of these things you know it's the most important work the inner work is the most important work the inner work is everything and That's why these conversations matter. And that's why I decided to speak my truth about what my story is with regards to how this whole pandemic and the restrictions and the mandates and the, just the discrimination, like I'm feeling it. I feel it. Like I don't, I, and again, it's like maybe my lens on this is so small compared to the big picture that it's just a blip in the radar, but it's still real for me. And it's still real for my kids that have never known a world where people don't have masks on and they don't see smiles. Like, do we have the scientific evidence of the impact of smiles in society? Can we measure the impact of a hug? Do we know how that impacts suicide rates and depression? And, you know, abuse, physical abuse, and uh, just trauma in general. Do we know? Are we measuring that? Are we measuring the right things? I think that's maybe the most important question that I'm asking right now is that this has been gradual. This didn't happen overnight. Like this has been two years now where when I turn on my TV now, which I choose not to most of the time, because I just don't want it in my space about the infection rates and the death rates and the shutdowns and the, you know, just the hate and the fear that's being instilled in people constantly in these from coming from these sources that people from my generation grew up with and trusted. And while looking back on that, like pre-social media where everybody didn't have this soapbox to just talk about whatever they wanted to from, you know, in many cases anonymously or with no actual grounding source behind what they're saying. But previous to all of this stuff, we used to trust in the media and our, and our communities and the people that we surrounded ourselves with. And, I've heard people uh, say this on different podcast interviews and videos and whatnot, like the social dilemma was one where it talked about like, 
here's what social media is doing to us. And then I hear other people say that, no, 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 social media is not doing that to people. People are doing that to themselves. Social media is just amplifying it right now. Depression, anxiety, fear, all of these things that as human beings, when we feel that inside of us and then we surround ourselves with noise and people, communities, close friends, family in some cases that feed that, feed that noise, that that is a pandemic in itself. So I want to change that conversation. I want to change the narrative. And I want to be a part of that positive change, the one where our where we live in a world of gratefulness, curiosity, and bravery. And where there's more love in this world. It's important. I had a friend the other day explain to me that, because uh, I was telling him this, I said, I'm going to publish this podcast tomorrow and here's the context of it and here's the why. And like, I'm a little hesitant because I don't want it to come across as being angry. And he said, oh man, let me tell you about my experience. In the last two weeks, I have two daughters. He said, one of my daughters got COVID and we did the five day isolation because that's what they tell you to do. So they lock their daughter in her bedroom and, you know, slid in dinner and whatever you do when you're in isolation in your own home. And he said on day four, man, on day four, his daughter uh, was crying and he's like, what's the matter? And she said, dad, I just want a hug. And he, in that moment said, what am I doing right now? Like, what am I doing? And he, and he naturally busted the door open and gave his daughter a hug. And he was thinking to himself like, man, how did we go from somebody getting sick, your kids getting sick and you just cuddle up with them on the couch in a warm blanket and you give them some chicken noodle soup and you watch some movies and you just love the shit out of them and they work through it. Right. And now there's a big wide spectrum there when it comes to the medical side of this and the science behind all of it. And I spoke about that in the last episode, you know, there are certain things that like this virus, if you have other conditions, it could be the thing that actually like makes everything else worse. And then you end up, you could die from it. Like nobody's discrediting that or saying that that doesn't exist. But now that we're two years in and we know the data, we see we see the risks. We understand the risks. No different than getting in a car, getting on a plane, walking down the street, playing with your dog, whatever it is. Like there's a risk of death in everything. I have a risk of death being around this computer right now. Who knows what waves are coming off of this through the Wi-Fi? Like that could be killing me. I don't know. But I'm willing to take that risk right now because this gives me a platform and an opportunity to create and when I can create, my message can then have a chance of being heard. And when it has a chance of being heard, it has a chance of rippling out into the world, which is why I'm very, very adamant about sharing my perspective, my beliefs, knowing that it's not the only perspective and that I got nothing but love for both sides of the table and everything in between. But if we don't have conversations about this, you know, we have a, it's not even a holiday, but, you know, once a year, at least 
there's a a promotion, I guess you would call it, by one of our major telecom providers. They sponsor it. That's called Let's Talk. And it's Mental Health Day. In fact, it might even be a, a holiday. I'm not sure. But why once a, once a year? Why even once a month? Why not every day? Why don't we talk about this every single day? Why don't we shift the narrative and, you know, I, I I just got introduced to a guy who I'm going to bring on the podcast, actually, who posted something that quite honestly gave me a little chuckle, but then it got me thinking too, like, I'll tell you what it is first. So he posted that, uh, you know, breaking news from the CDC, I forget the exact numbers, but he's like 17 million kids under the age of 17 are alive today. Let me repeat that. 17 million kids in the United States under the age of 17 are alive today. And at first you had to kind of take a step back and go, oh, that's that's good. That's good. And then I realized that he was just kind of taking the piss out on like what we actually hear all the time, which is, you know, whatever. Three kids died from COVID today. And then, but then we don't hear the stories of, what these vaccines are doing to, and again, this is just from my, you know, narrow viewpoint. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I don't win Nobel peace, Nobel prizes and stuff, but like, you know, how many young boys are getting the shots and having myocarditis happen and you hear it in athletes and stuff too. And again, there's always another way to frame this and people will say, yeah, but you know, the stats tell us this and that's why we justify that. Everybody's right. Everybody's right. But when we come at it from a perspective of anger, like, no, I'm right and you're wrong. And can't you see this? That is the tragedy and the pandemic that, in my opinion, my beliefs is way worse than anything to do with this virus. This virus is not here to kill us. It will kill some. And that is sad because in our human existence, we feel a lot of love. We feel a lot of grief, but it's not here to kill us. It's here to help us evolve. It's here to help us get to that next, next evolution of enlightenment, of greatest version, of ascension, of dimensions, whatever you want to call it. And that's what I have to say about this topic. And, um, I hope that me sharing this with all of you that are listening to this, and thank you, by the way, for listening. That friend of mine that reached out, um, you know who you are. I won't say your name out loud, but um, it means a lot to hear from people because a lot of times, you know, it's it's that natural human element of like you want the reflective, uh, you know, feedback loop. You want to know that when you're creating something and that the intention is really grounded in like, finding out the truth, knowing that there's no absolute truth. And then, you know, just sharing perspectives that help people see things in a different way and hopefully helps them ele elevate up that when we do that, um, we want to get the acknowledgement, you know, it's one of my love languages. Let's be honest. I want acknowledgement. I want to hear from people going like, man, episode 29, that Ryan Peters guy, it inspired me. I'm going to take that leap to research living in Costa Rica. 
I think I can do it now. Like it's just these trigger moments. And it, and it means a lot. It means a lot to hear the feedback loop. And at the same time, I'm going to keep doing this regardless of it, whether or not I build a massive audience or if I ever get that feedback loop, because inside, I know it's the right thing. I know it's what I need. I need to speak about these things. I need to get this stuff out into the world. I need to say everything that I just said. That's it. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave. Yes.